Hey, how's it over there? Welcome to the new episode of In Focus. I'm your host Han Jin, and I'll be sharing about the latest happening in Southeast Asia. Stay with me as I try to cover a wide range of topics, but not limited to sustainability, ESG, artificial intelligence, and the built environment. Okay, let's start. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, welcome back again to my podcast. And uh, today I'm going to start off with some updates from uh, Thailand. So, um, this this news from Thailand is reporting about the the esports esports betting arena, and this company called Esports Technologies they have released a wagering platform GoGawi in Thailand, and. Uh, this wagering platform, right, uh, is an eSport-focused betting destination that offers uh, bet, bet, betting services on tournament and eSports matches. And it was launched first in Japan and now it's available in more than 140 jurisdictions. So according to NetZoo, which is a source for games and eSports analytics and market research, Thailand is the world's 19th largest gaming market and it's reported that the country's growing middle class and the rise of mobile-first gaming are expected to make it a promising new market for esports betting. So, uh, Thailand's esports market should grow to be about more than US $450 million in 2021. And what they say is that in addition, the Thailand's digital economy promotion agency is working to promote the Thai gaming industry as a source of new jobs and economic growth. So I guess this goes hand in hand with growth in the betting arena as well. So the CEO of Esports Technology, I quote him as state, uh, quote him uh, uh, what he stated in the press release. He said that e- Southeast Asia has been one of the fastest growing regions in the esports market. And they believe that the increased popularity of mobile gaming pad with strong history of betting creates a market opportunity for esports betting platform. And their recently launched GoGawi platform can fulfill that purpose. So they are very excited to introduce GoGawi to Thailand's esports players. And this will provide them with a one place to watch both esports tournaments around the world and bet on them. So I, I actually went to this GoGawi platform to take a look and it's very interesting because um, uh, you, you, there's many types of payment services solution. You have Epco Pay, you have Astro Pay, you have CoinDirect and there's many uh, avenues for you to provide more deposit and withdrawal options. And when you go to GoGawi website, right, you can bet on many types of games. You can bet on StarCraft. You can bet on uh, Dota. You can bet on Call Call of Duty. You know the conventional games that uh, game player players usually compete in. So th- that's some very very interesting development. Uh, the betting industry grow- growing in tandem with the esport industry. Okay, so uh, another um, development that I I've been been looking at right is um, this news from Cambodia. So Cambodia was actually identified, um, according to the World Economic Forum, 
they were identified as one of the countries that that is most at risk from climate emergency. In in addition to that, they also ranked a very low one hundred and third on the World Economics Forum two zero two one Global Gender Gap Index. So. Uh, what they say is that given this climate crisis, it already uh, impacts women. So the charity Action Aid decided to launch a campaign to help Cambodian women to adapt to the changing business landscape. So they launched this campaign. It's called uh, She is the Answer. And what it does is it supports communities to become more resilient. And what they do is they train women to take up clim- climate adaptive livelihoods. So the work is underpinned by research that has shown female empowerment to be one of the most effective solutions at their disposal in tackling global heating. Uh, let me just uh, say one of the one of the this action aids project right is located in this village called Oak Coal, where the charity helped to set up a floating pla- floating garden for locals to harvest vegetables such as cabbage and pepper. So the produce is distributed among the community and the surplus veggies are sold to people in the neighboring village. And the people in that particular village, right, they used to believe that no vegetables or gardens could grow in this in, this, in that place because it's on the water. And but because of this program, their floating garden now generates about 10,000 to 15,000 um, Cambodian reals per day. I guess that's their, their dollar, uh, which is about uh, one, one point, which is about roughly about two, two to three pounds. And she says that this actually compared favorably with fishing. Um, but the, there's one issue with floating garden. And the main issue is that sometimes the rats, they come and destroy the floating garden. Well, this means that rats can actually swim to the garden. Rats can swim. <laughs> okay, that's something new. And uh, this floating garden, right, they have actually increased the consumption of vegetables in the village and also have improved the community's health. So so this woman who's tending to this floating garden, she says that uh, the training and support that comes from Action Aid actually help her to become more sufficient uh, she says that now she not only know how to do one thing, she didn't say what that one thing was, but in addition to that one thing, she says that she know how to grab opportunities and she is proactively sharing those life skills with other people. And this, this woman who was being interviewed, right, she said that she's part of this Growing Women Champions Network, which helps to give Cambodian women a voice when vital decisions are being made at the community and the government level. This project is also run by Action Aid. So what this project, Women Champions Project does is it provides women with the training, the skills, confidence, and so that they can play a part in planning the future of their community communities. So a little bit about this um, Action Aid. Action Aid has trained about 50 women across the country. That's some progress. And they have helped to equip them with climate science knowledge and supporting them to play an active role in decision making, helping them to step up and speak up. And as well as planting mangroves to help protect villages from the storms, uh, the women from this program, they are also promoting sustainable farming methods and also helping to create floating schools where future generations 
I talked about climate resilience. Okay, so that's it for my updates from Thailand and Cambodia. Let's go for a short commercial break and I'll see you in a while. Hey, welcome back. So uh, now I have some updates from Philippines. Uh, Nesto Philippines, they're set to implement initiative aimed at achieving net zero greenhouse gases emission by 2050. And uh, just last week, right, the, this, this Nesto Philippines, they launched its Kasam Buhay for environment commitment. So I, I went to research on what Kasam Buhay is in addition to its pronunciation. Kasam Buhay means that is lifetime, which means that it's a, it's a commitment for a lifetime of environment. And what this program is about is it aims to have its uh, greenhouse gas emission by 2030 and to reach net zero by 2050. And what Nestle Philippines said that uh, uh, is they want to be, they're set to implement various initiatives such as to strengthen its plastic neutrality. Mm, so, Nesto Philippines, they became the country's first MNC fast-moving consumer goods company to attain this plastic neutra- neutrality through collecting and co-processing the equivalent amount of plastics that it generates in its packaging. And at the moment, right, this company, Nesto Philippines, they have already collected 18,000 metric tons of plastic waste. So, I quote what the chairman has said. They say that, the company is targeting to collect and divert an annual average of 26,000 metric tons of plastic waste away from the landfills and ocean and it's an important step towards ensuring none of its waste end up in the environment. Uh, Aside from this new commitment, uh, Nesto Philippines also said that they are going to develop technology to make its packaging recyclable or reusable by 2025. they are also collaborating with the public and private sector partners to ensure that none of its packaging ends up in the environment and also teaching consumers about solid waste management. So in addition to the reduction of plastic waste, Nestle Philippines said that it has switched to clean energy. So its factories in Luzon as well as its uh, Makati office runs entirely on 100% renewable energy. Um, In addition, right, uh, through its Nescafe plan and the common code for coffee community, also known as the 4C program, Nesto Philippines is uh, helping the coffee farmers in Mindano to learn about regenerative agriculture and sustainable coffee production. And uh, one update from Indonesia. So as many of you already know Indonesia is one of the world's most most populous Muslim-majority country and they're focusing on developing its halal industry to meet uh, domestic and global demand in the light of trends that indicate, you know, Sharia businesses, especially the growth of Sharia businesses during this economic crisis. And the halal industry has been able to record positive performance despite the pressure on economies around the world due to this COVID-19 pandemic and prior to the pandemic in 2019 the industry had recorded a growth of 3.2% which is higher than the global economic growth of 2.3%. 
So, uh, since uh, there is potential in this halal market, and Indonesia is the world's biggest market for halal products, particularly in the food, tourism, pharmaceutical, and cosmetic sector, uh, which is why many countries are now very interested in this halal market right now. We have. Vietnam government encouraging their private businesses to, you know, learn about the Muslim culture and go into the halal market. And you also have the Spaniards; they are going into the halal market as well. So, okay. So apart from this, right, um, the Indonesia Sharia economy is also focusing is also focusing on developing the halal industry. Um, so there's uh, Sharia finance, Sharia social finance, and uh, Sharia entrepreneurship. Um, the government is supporting the Indonesian government is supporting from several uh, uh, areas. So they have developed several policies that aim at developing the halal industry and also setting apart land for the establishment of a special economic zone for the halal industry. Um, so Unilever Indonesia is expected also to collaborate with the government. Uh, to encourage the halal industry in the country, and it is stated that it's very important for them to develop a cross-sector collaboration program to support the development of this uh, Sharia economy and finance in Indonesia, and because the country is targeting to be the world's uh, Sharia economy hub. So let's see. Okay. Okay, so that's about it. Okay, uh, that's it about it for the updates from my podcast. And I'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you. Bye. Hey, people! Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe to my channel and also. Please like, rate, or comment on my podcast to let me know what else you'd like to hear. As usual, stay safe and healthy, and see you in the next episode. Bye, people. Hey, welcome back. So uh, now I have some updates from Philippines. Uh, Nestle Philippines, they're set to implement initiative aimed at achieving net zero greenhouse gases emission by two zero five zero, and. Uh, just last week, right? The this this Nestle Philippines they launched its Kasam Buhay for environment commitment. So I I went to research on what Kasam Buhay is. In addition to its pronunciation, Kasam Buhay means that it's lifetime, which means that it's a it's a commitment for a lifetime of environment. And what this program is about is it aims to halve its uh, greenhouse gas emission by two zero three zero. And to reach net zero by two zero five zero, and what Nestle Philippines said that uh, uh, is they want to be they are set to implement various initiatives such as to strengthen its plastic neutrality. Mm, so Nestle Philippines they became the country's first MNC fast moving consumer goods company to attain this plastic neutral neutrality. Through collecting and co-processing the equivalent amount of plastics that it generates in its packaging, and at the moment, right, this company Nestle Philippines, they have already collected eighteen thousand metric tons of plastic waste. So I quote what the chairman has said: "They say that 
the company is targeting to collect and divert an annual average of 26,000 metric tons of plastic waste away from the landfills and ocean and is an important step towards ensuring none of its waste end up in the environment. Uh, aside from this new commitment, uh, Nestle Philippines also said that they are going to develop technology to make its packaging recyclable or reusable by 2025. And they are also collaborating with the public and private sector partners to ensure that none of its packaging ends up in the environment and also teaching consumers about solid waste management. So in addition to the reduction of plastic waste, Nestle Philippines said that it has switched to clean energy. So its factories in Luzon, as well as its uh, Makati office, runs entirely on 100% renewable energy. Um, in addition, right, uh, through its Nescafe plan and the common code for coffee community, also known as the 4C program, Nestle Philippines is uh, helping the coffee farmers in Mindano to learn about regenerative agriculture and sustainable coffee production. And uh, one update from Indonesia. So as many of you already know, Indonesia is one of the world's most, most populous Muslim majority country and they're focusing on developing its halal industry to meet uh, domestic and global demand in the light of trends that indicate, you know, Sharia businesses, especially the growth of Sharia businesses during this economic crisis. And the halal industry has been able to record positive performance despite the pressure on economies around the world due to this COVID-19 pandemic. And prior to the pandemic, in 2019, the industry had recorded a growth of 3.2% which is higher than the global economic growth of 2.3%. So uh, since uh, there is potential in this halal market, and Indonesia is the world's biggest market for halal products, particularly in the food, tourism, pharmaceutical, and cosmetic sector, uh, which is why many countries are now very interested in this halal market right now. We have Vietnam government encouraging their private businesses to, you know, learn about the Muslim culture and go into the halal market. And you also have the Spaniards. They are going into the halal market as well. So, okay, so apart from this, right, um, the Indonesia Sharia economy is also focusing, is also focusing on developing the halal industry. Um, so there's uh, Sharia finance, Sharia social finance, and uh, Sharia entrepreneurship. Um, the government is supporting, the Indonesian government is supporting from several uh, uh, areas. So they have developed several policies that aim at developing the halal industry and also setting apart land for the establishment of a special economic zone for the halal industry. Um, so Unilever Indonesia is expected also to collaborate with the government uh, to encourage the halal industry in the country. And it is stated that it's very important for them to develop a cross-sector collaboration program to support the development of this uh, Sharia economy and finance in Indonesia. Because the country is targeting to be the world's uh, Sharia economy hub. So let's see. Okay, 
Okay, so that's about it. Okay, uh, that's it about it for the updates from my podcast. And I'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you. Bye.